listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast, of course, brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. And today, it's your boy, Pat Lane, as always, with my guy, Matt St. Jean. And today, we're finally doing the crossover event that somehow we haven't done yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, we used to be at Pat's Bowl, but everyone knows Brian Hines is still at Pat's pulpit, crushing it over there as the as the main Patriots reporter over there, and he's finally on the show with us. It's it's long overdue, but we're happy to have you here, Brian. It's great to see you, and thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is it is way too overdue, but happy happy to be here and finally getting this one getting this That's one right. checked out. That's right. So big, uh, you know, semi big week of news, of course. It was funny because Matt was saying we didn't have the show on Thursday because of the interview that I have with uh, Matt Hamashek, which is out now on YouTube if you haven't seen it, um, about the dynasty. And Matt said, he's like, they're 100% the Patriots are going to announce the offensive coordinator on Thursday. That's absolutely what's going to happen. Of course, it is what happened. And so we did not do a show yet. But, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? And, Matt, we'll get yours afterwards. What are your thoughts on Alex Van Pelt? And if you want to expand, too, to include Bob McAdoo in that as well. They've hired him. Uh, since as well, what, you know, what are your thoughts on those hires? So I wasn't like blown away by the hire. I mean, it, I think it took everyone by surprise, right? They had 11 candidates reportedly in here. Then all of a sudden Van Pelt comes in and, and gets the job and there's pros and there's cons. And I think it's good that you get an experienced guy in here, right? You have a first time head coach in Gerard Mayo. You have a first time coordinator on defense and special teams did you really want like a third coordinator that was brand new and has never done this before like maybe not so it's good to get a guy who's been in the league a long time has experience doing this has been to some successful offenses obviously worked with Aaron Rodgers had success with Baker Mayfield had success with almost every quarterback that went through Cleveland last year except the Sean Watson which is kind of funny but um yeah so he's got the experience. He's worked with a lot of quarterbacks. You assume Patriots will have a, a young rookie quarterback for him to work with, but he, he's never really called plays either, which is you know kind of weird. He he True. did it once. Or he did it with Buffalo in, in like 2009. So we're talking 15 years ago almost. He did it for a game or two there when Kevin Stefanski had had COVID. So I wouldn't call it like a home run hire. But I think it's a good hire, and it definitely has the potential to kind of pan out here for them. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I I like it a lot. Uh, the whole not calling plays thing uh, doesn't bother me that much. You know, you look at some of the other trendy candidates. You know, Zach Robinson, he's not a play caller. Um, Kubiak from San Francisco. I know a lot of guys wanted him. He's not mm-hmm. the play caller. Uh, right. And, you know, I think I, in an ideal world, you'd get that guy. But typically, the play caller then ends up getting promoted yeah. to become the head coach. You're probably not getting a play caller there. Um, and, you know, you get a guy who's, you know, like Brian said, he's steady. He's experienced. He's a veteran. From all accounts, he's a player's coach, too. 
you know, we, what we've seen with Bill O'Brien and Pat Patricia, Josh McDaniels there, it's going to be a very different mindset offensively for these guys in practice. And, yes. Uh, I mean, I think that'll be a good thing. You know, we'll see. I, I don't know how much that's going to, how good that's going to be three, four, five years from now, but year one, it's going to be a breath of fresh air for these guys. And, you know, maybe that gets something out of some of these players that we hadn't seen before, just a different, a different mental uh, treatment of it. Watching some of the Cleveland film, too, uh, I really like the run game stuff they do. It's varied. They do everything, yeah. and they do a lot of yeah. misdirection stuff. And it's I think it, I think if, if you can get the best out of Cole Strange, he's a huge fit with what's done. I think Michael Wenu is still a fit with what they've done, um, and it should make life easy on a rookie quarterback. The whole thing is basically we're going to run the ball as much as we can, use that to set up play action, and go to like some spread West Coast stuff on third down when we need to pass the ball. And that's, you know, uh, Evan Lazar mentioned it in his article today. That's Drake May's music. If you're looking at the quarterback yeah. at the top of this draft, but also if you go further, if they're not enamored with a guy at the top, uh, Bo Nix, I think is capable of doing that in theory, at least, you know, we're going to talk about what he did at the senior bowl this week, um, but Please. he's a guy who did that in college. JJ McCarthy is a guy who did that. And, um, if you're looking for a bridge quarterback too, you might be able to have a good offense here with a bridge quarterback because you're relying more on the run game while you wait for whoever your next franchise guy is. Yeah, that's a good point. By the way, quick shout out to uh, Thad's younger brother, 21st birthday today. So happy birthday to <laughs> Thad's younger brother. Um, but no, I, look, it's interesting. The Van Pelt thing is interesting. And you're right, Matt, that you know, you're not getting really a guy that calls plays. I mean, I don't think any of the guys they brought in for interviews have been real play callers. Now, of course, Josh McDaniels was on the table, but I'm happy they didn't bring McDaniels in. I didn't really want Josh McDaniels as the guy. Uh, I don't think Zach Robinson called plays at in LA, right? Did he not? Um, no. And so even was, him... They had the floor, know, and then did McVay call plays for them? Like, Robinson wasn't even the offensive coordinator there. So. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, so, you know, it's you, you weren't necessarily getting a guy that was calling plays. I do, but, you know... The fact that he was around and the fact that he's been there for a long time and he has a lot of experience, to me, that makes a big difference because Mayo's a young guy. Covington's a young guy. Jeremy Springer, who they hired as as special teams coordinator, is a young guy. They're all young guys. You need someone with some seasoning and some experience in the league. And I think that Van Pelt gives you that. And look, you know, is it all like high end? Like his team, you know, his offense was top five in the league every year? No. But, you know, look what he did this year with, you know, a patchwork offense in, in Cleveland and, you know, what he brought them to become. Now, again, not the offensive coordinator or not the play caller necessarily, but like you hear the way the guys in the locker room talk about him. I think that there was, there was a clear shift for Mayo that he wanted this to be a culture he wanted it to be, this is what we're going to do here, right? This is how we're going to feel here, right? This is like, you know, the way that we're going to coach it. We has a specific thing that he wants to do, and I think Van Pelt fits into that thing. And it's funny, I actually, I mean, this is a, a different discussion for a different day, but I think that that's part of the reason why Bill Belichick and, and Mike Vrabel don't have jobs this, this year because they're going towards that player-friendly coach. I mean, look around the league and look at how many of those guys are player-friendly guys. And Bill and Vrabel are loved by their players when they win, but they're 
they're hard asses. They're pains in the asses, right? That's just who they are, and that's yeah. successful for them. And, and Vrabel's also tall. Anymore. Well, <laughs> Vrabel's, yeah, tall, imposing guy. What a friggin' what a friggin' that was, man. That, that's got to be the funniest story to come out of this whole thing. Um, yeah. In it, yeah. It's funny because, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in studying football very religiously and analytically and finding out the best coaching hires. And then we find out the guys who are actually paid to make these decisions are not hiring guys because they're tall. And, you know, it makes you realize how different things are in the inside of the bubble than the outside. <laughs> right. That's a good point. And you know what? Uh, TJ is asking a question about Steve Belichick and, and uh, you know, why he didn't stick around. And I think Mayo, I think, made it pretty clear that they had asked him to stick around. They wanted him to stick around, but he didn't get the D.C. job. Um, that was given to Covington. And so when that happened, he went and looked elsewhere. And then the opportunity at University of Washington popped up to be a defensive coordinator there. Um, and he took it. And I think that, you know, I think his brother, I think Brian's sticking around is what it sounds like. At least Brian's sticking around. Um, and so, you know, I think Steve took the saw the opportunity to go and be a defensive coordinator at a big college program hopefully build his resume a little bit there and then work that into maybe a college head coach. Maybe he comes back to the NFL as a DC, um, but, you know, kind of building up from there. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have loved Steve back, right? I think we all, I thought he did a really good job the yeah. last four or five years since he's been kind of that de facto play caller, defensive coordinator, but like, what's his role if he came back here? I know that assistant associate head coach title was flown out there, but if you're giving play calling duties to Demarcus Covington and then Steve gets an assistant head coach, like, is that a demotion or is that a promotion? Like it's kind of just a weird kind of dynamic there. And then if things go bad for Covington, if the defense or people in yes. outside of the locker room going to start saying like, maybe we should give Steve the play calling duties back. So it, it might've been just kind of a weird setup, but I, I think he was a, a great coach and I hope he does have a lot of success. Uh, over in Washington, and, and that'll be fun fun to watch. Seems like that's been kind of a path where these defensive coordinators are finding success at the college level. So, so that'll be fun to watch Steve out there. Yeah, and that's with head coach Jed Fish, a guy who was yeah. recently in the building here in New England. Yep. Some familiarity there, and uh, did I see the went with him? Yep, that's actually that was what I was going to say next. Took the words right out of my mouth. So, um, yeah, boys are sticking together. They're just off to their college yeah. adventure now. <laughs> so, so who was the because the the head coach there left and took the job at in Alabama. At Alabama, that's right. And then Fish was in Arizona, and he went to Washington. Yeah. And now, okay, yep, that's. Yep. I'm like, I thought Jed Fish was in. See, I don't follow college football quite as much as. And I should have known that, right? But I'm like, Jed Fish, I know is in Arizona. <laughs> and then people were like, he's going to Jed Fish. And I'm like, wait, wasn't he in Arizona? And he then did I remember that. There too. He did a really, really good job there. Yeah. 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 I actually, I completely forgot that Jed Fish took the Washington job. And when I saw, um, I saw that Steve Belichick was interviewing with Jed Fish. And then I saw the next day, Steve Belichick taking the Washington job. And I was like, wait, how did he end up in Washington? Yeah. <laughs> completely, yeah. completely forgetting it. Life moves fast. I want to, I want to touch on this here too when we're talking about Van Pelt going back to that. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting with him is how creative he is as a play designer. He's the, he's the guy that does all of that as far as I know for Cleveland. Like He does everything but call the plays on game day. And it doesn't take very long into the tape in this season to see a play where he's got they're on a shotgun formation and then the quarterback, the running back shift over. So the running back is behind center. The running back takes the snap and then hands it to the quarterback 
who then runs like he's going to run and then circles back into the pocket and chucks it deep to a guy who was wide open. Now, of course, it was Deshaun Watson. A throw came up about 15 right. yards short of where it should have been, but the guy was wide open. And I think it's clear that he's a guy who's willing to do things um, in an unorthodox way, which, you know, it's, if things are going to be different with this New England offense. Will they be better? I don't know, but they'll be exciting uh, in that they're different, at least for this season. Um, I liked seeing that. And the other guy who's rumored to be coming in, Ben McAdoo here, is somebody who's been known for kind of being overly vanilla on offense. And I think, you know, I think there's something to be said about having the experimental guy with the vanilla guy as his advisor to kind of right. telling him when to rein it in. And, you know, you got the Browns and, and Van Pelt with a run first offense. McAdoo has always had, you know, these pass first offenses except for that one season in Carolina. So they're opposites in a lot of ways. And as long as they you know they got a good relationship and work well together, I can see a, a world where that's a really fortuitous pairing. Yeah. And it will be interesting because we can only look at what Van Pelt's running in Cleveland, what he's running mm-hmm. in Green Bay. He could kind of come in here and change some things around and have his own ideas that maybe Kevin Stefanski wasn't a fan of in, in Cleveland. So I mean, Matt, I've agreed with you, like really diverse run game. You know, they yeah. do, they can hit the outside stuff and then they kind of took what Sean McVay has done and started going some more of that downhill and counter with that. They look for the explosives off play action, but that's, again, what he shows in Cleveland. So maybe we get out on the practice fields. We won't know till spring and then right. really not even till the summer. And it could look probably not completely different, but it could have – its own little spin on it, and definitely if Ben McAdoo it, it comes in here, maybe he has, you know, some some of his own parts of his offense that that he implements to this thing. Yeah, well, and you you mentioned in there too the way they get like the explosives in the running game and the way they'll hammer between the tackles. One of the things that stood out to me there is that um, seemed like he was really good at putting like tight ends in position to block. Where even if you aren't a good blocker, you can get successful blocks. Like they they had a play in there where. You got their, their tight end motions into the backfield to be a fullback. And then you it's a power play with the, the fullback leading and the guard coming behind him. And he gets a clear shot to the second level against the weak side linebacker. And he's got the advantage. You know, he's got the leverage. He's on the inside. The linebacker's on the outside. All he has to do is hit him with a full head of steam, make sure he hits that inside shoulder so the guy's boxed out, and it's an easy block for him. And then the guard can come behind and, you know, hit the bigger linebacker and make things happen. And then right after that, they dial up the same look, but it's play action. And the right. tight end is sneaking out for a pass look. And they ended up, I think it was a dagger concept to get a receiver wide open. Yet again, Deshaun Watson came up short on the throw, which was a theme going through this. Um, but, you know, using that to get good looks for your blockers and then turning that into even more wide open looks for your receivers, which uh, yeah. they need. Hey, listen, Watson may have had a tough year throwing the ball, but he is a he's a fantastic human being. Um, you know, and so so I can't believe he said that. I really can't. I I mean, I know he's gotta say something like that, but holy crap. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, Joe Brady. Well, and the way he phrased it was even worse too. Ken Dorsey, because it wasn't oh, just Dorsey. like Joe Brady. It it wasn't just like, oh, like we all know he's a good person. It was something I I it was from everything I've heard about him. He's yeah. a really quality human being, which is even worse. Yeah, because that's like really that's just who the hell are you talking yeah, to? Really, <laughs> like if you're gonna say he's a good person, say hey, I got to meet him, and he seems like a great, great young person. And it's like, oh, it's just based on my experience with him. But no, you're basing it off of everybody else's experiences with him. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. 
So, anyways, look, and I think I think what it does, and we'll know. You know, we don't know for sure what what the situation is, but for me, keeping Covington at defensive coordinator, and now they added. Um, I already blanked on the kid's name that they just brought in from Green Bay, uh, the defensive line coach. Jerry yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, who uh, Rashawn Gary had some great things to say about him uh, when he left. And so, you know, you bring him in, but you, for the most part, you're keeping that continuity on defense. You don't need to overhaul the defense. You need some more pieces in there, but you want to keep the defense primarily pretty much the same. The offense, you needed a complete overhaul. And so... You brought in Alex Van Pelt. I was very nervous they were going to bring Josh Daniels back. They were going to run it back with Mac Jones. They could still run it back with Mac Jones, but like, I don't think they're going to. But I think if they had brought in Josh Daniels, that would have been a sign that they were willing to do that. And I just, they need to just start over offensively. And there's going to be growing pains, and it's not going to be perfect, and people aren't going to be excited about it. But like, I'm willing to trust them for a year or two to see if they can get it to where they want it to go um, because we just need a change from the last few years. It's been it's been a disaster the last two years. And so, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think that I think they're doing the right thing in overhauling the offense and trying to mostly stay the same on defense. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and part of that overhaul, and Matt, you were just talking about the tight ends where – I mean, all three of their tight ends, Hunter Henry, Farrell Brown, and Mike Kosicki are free agents, right? So you yep. knew something was going to have to happen in that room. And watching some of this, you know, Cleveland, the games from last year, David Njoku was such a big piece of, of their room. And like, I don't know if you want Hunter Henry in, in that role, or but, I mean, you might seriously start moving tight end up. You know, you guys are doing these mock drafts. You might have to start, I don't know if, Brock Bowers is too rich trading back in the first round for Bowers, but someone like Jatavian Sanders, and, and we'll get into more of these prospects later, but mm-hmm. like that tight end spot is so big in that offense. So that might be something that kind of moves up their board here in, in the next few months. Well, yeah. the other name I think to watch is Shaheem Bell, the Florida State guy, because he's just a super, I don't know exactly, you know, he's listed as a tight end. You know, he kind of does everything out there. Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys in a scheme like this, you know, I think they could protect him as a blocker in his weaknesses and find ways to get him in space with the ball where he's at his best. And that's you know, Van Pelt. There's all kinds of reps with, you know, running backs lining up out wide and tight ends lining up in the backfield and wide receivers lining up in line blocking like they're tight end. Like they'll put guys anywhere out there. So um, I think some of those versatile tight ends who maybe we wouldn't have considered in New England in the past because they weren't good blockers may now be on the radar a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, a guy, Jadavian Sanders is the guy that really kind of resonates with me. I think, you know, and there's some question marks with him, of course, but like just a physical athlete that he is can do a lot of those things. Um, You know, and again, isn't the best blocker in the world, but like, you know, there's a little bit of risk involved, but I wouldn't mind taking a guy like that, um, you know, in the second, I don't know if he'll drop to the third, but maybe in the second round, um, you know, if you move back in the first, you know, when we'll, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, you know, with the draft where it's February 2nd, right? February 5th. Right. But like, but you know, if you trade back and you have to tackle and then get a, you know, pick up an extra pick in the second round, then you get two second round picks and so on and so on and so on. So, you know, there's, there's chances abound for a bunch of guys. I like Ben Sinnott was in my last mock draft where I like a lot. Yes, so, love him. you know, you want to get guys that are that are versatile and can do a bunch of different things. And so I think there are a decent amount of guys like that in the draft. Of course, no one does it like Brock Bowers. But 
you're going to have to take a top 15 pick to take Brock Bowers and maybe even a top 10 pick. And I don't know. Of course, Taylor Kyle's just tweeted out today. Like I just, I keep doing this thing where I just have the Patriots trade back and draft Brock Bowers. And I'm like, well, it might not be the worst idea in the world. Um, but you know, but we'll see. And, and like you say, if they're going to use the tight end as much as they used it this year in Cleveland, it may not be the worst idea to get a guy like that because he's going to be the focal point of your offense. So, so we'll see. But anyways, all right. So uh, let's let's take a quick break. Let's take, we're going to take a quick break. We're doing early this time. We're actually on time. Usually we're supposed to do around 20 minutes. We usually do around 35. Take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to review the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl. I want to talk. Brian, I, I know you have a list of guys. I want to go through the list of guys you got. Matt, you got a list of guys. I got a list of guys. So we want to talk about the guys that we have on our list, who's rising up draft boards, who's falling down draft boards, um, you know, and, and where do we go from here. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back uh, to, to discuss that. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks. For me, it's got to be the buffalo chicken dip. That's my number one. With the, with the Fritos? Come on now. And placing some super bets as well. My number one bet of the weekend, offensive lineman to score a touchdown because that's just hilarious. That would be incredible. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and present in a mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelpMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it safe from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, we are back. Uh, all right, Brian. So who who caught your eye? I guess you start with one or two guys. Who really caught your eye the most at either the Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl? Just open it up to everything that happened this past week. Who's like the number one and number two guy? You're like, holy crap, that guy's better than I thought he was going to be. You want to start local? Ready? UNH. Yes. Dylan Lobby. Yes. There was a, I, you know, if you watch them at all at UNH, which I don't know how many people did, but <laughs> they use this guy like all around the field i think he had like 11 12 percent of his snaps in the slot you know he he's uh, he's a pass catcher and that's he's a running back but he's a pass catcher and that's what this team has needed since james white has, has retired right and, and he's from unh so you want to see down at the senior bowl how does he fare against better competition right he's going against some of the top defenders in the country and he held up and he he was awesome he was you know the burst with the ball in his hands of the route running held up in pass pro he, he was really awesome so i think maybe the fourth round pick for the pats might come in like 110 115 range depending on the comp picks i wouldn't rule that out i think that could be in range anywhere yeah. from that point on and i mean that's such a 
a player that they, they've missed. So I would love that. And then like any of these wide receivers, they had an awesome week and uh, I'll, I'll go Roman Wilson. Uh, he also got a lot of, a lot of hype on online. Um, Matt, you're a Michigan man, right? So you, you've I seen, am. You've seen a lot of Roman Wilson. <laughs> I just love those, those short kind of shifty slot receivers. And, and you know, he, he's not a pure slot like a Demario Douglas, but he can move out to the Z He's not afraid to get his nose dirty in the run game across the middle of the field, but just guys who can create separation with ease like that. And that's what he did. He was pretty uncoverable in one-on-one. So Roman Wilson was, you know, on my list already going, going into the week and, and he only confirmed the, the positive things I thought about him. I love it. Yeah. He's good. And he's, um, you know, we talked about JJ McCarthy being a difficult evaluation. Everybody in that Michigan passing game is because they're so, so few uh, true dropbacks against good defenses um, and yeah. just not super high volume. So, you know, Roman Wilson's production doesn't look anything spectacular, but uh, Brian, I'm not sure if you saw it earlier today, but Lance Zerline actually had Roman Wilson going in the first round in his Thank mock you. draft today, sneaking in right at the end. So um, yeah, I mean, I like him. All. He remind, There's some Julian Edelman in his game, I think too, because the, the feistiness he plays with, yeah. there's a, our video going around on Twitter today of him blocking some guy. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, that's pancaking. Just, yeah. Big time Edelman. Um, I'll go. I got a pair of receivers here that stood out to me. I'll just go off of that. Um, I like Jamari Thrash and Brendan Rice. Thrash from Louisville, Rice from USC. Uh, I think they're both projects a little bit still at this point in their careers, but I think you saw the athleticism translate really well. They got the size, speed, acceleration, agility mm. that you want at the position. And, you know, they showed they could win one-on-ones and they could make some plays in there. Uh, Thrash, in particular, as an athlete, reminds me of the guys Green Bay has this year. You know, they just have a whole bunch of those guys who are smooth athletes. And nobody who's going to be truly elite on their own, but guys who can consistently win one-on-one. That's kind of what Thrash looks like. He just has issues with his hands right now. And Brendan Rice, you know, inconsistent, but... A little bit of Nico Collins to his game, almost. Mm. He's bigger bodied. Uh, and then I want to go over to the defense here, too. Cam Hart, the, yeah. the corner yeah, from yeah Notre Dame, he stood out. Uh, somebody somebody of, mentioned him. Somebody mentioned yeah. him here in the chat earlier. He, he hits hard. When it was, there was a, they mentioned right at the top of the senior ball, you can't blitz in it. And like the next play, it's Cam Hart in the backfield <laughs> breaking something up. Yeah, and he just you knew he read something coming and flew up and made the tackle. He hits hard. Uh, would he's not be going, shocked to see him he's doing He's going good. to dominate the combine, too. So he's on, you know, the like the freaks list that the athletic yeah. does in the preseason. He was on it. He like, I think he squats 500 pounds. He can do like 40 pull ups. He can hit 23 miles an hour. So it's crazy. Running. So he, he's going to be a combine warrior. But yeah, he, he had an awesome week. And Brendan Rice was interesting because, you know, he's six three in the first day he's out there, and he's winning like you'd kind of expect a six three receiver to win with physicality, top of the route. And then the next two days he comes out, and you know he's creating separation and he's winning that way. So Daniel Jeremiah kept throwing. I like Nico Collins, but Dan- Daniel Jeremiah kept throwing Michael Pittman as a comp out there, and that's someone who we've all been saying the Patriots should throw money at if he hits mm-hmm. for. So. He's definitely an interesting kind of mid-round guy there at that position. Can I can I throw a negative out here while we're talking about the receivers? Because I yeah. thought there was only there was only one receiver where I thought stood out in a negative way, and that was Tez Walker. Um, yeah. He Dropping was 
yeah, you know, drops were an issue for him. Separation was an issue. It just kind of felt like every time the announcers were calling his name in the game, something bad was happening too. Um, and, you know, you see that a little bit on tape at UNC. He's inconsistent there, and his good plays are really good, but also he was the only guy of value in that offense not named Drake May, and it showed right. when he was out there. So definitely not a polished product there. You know, he has the athletic traits, but... Uh, struggled at times to get open um, and when he was open he was dropping the ball so I think he's I've seen some people call him a second round pick coming into this thing and to me he looks like a day three guy from what we saw yeah I agree uh, so just two notes on on your two guys Brian Wilson he's not the same guy as David Givens but David Givens he just reminds me of David Givens because he's coming from an offense that just didn't throw the ball. Notre Dame just like refused to throw the ball when, when he was there. And so he's this guy that had very limited production at Notre Dame and, you know, ended up being a seventh round pick because of it, but was actually a good receiver, just never got a chance. Right. And so Wilson might be that same type of guy that David Givens was. And again, He's not going in the seventh round because they don't they they do it a little differently than they did it back then. But nevertheless, um, you know that goes that's there. So and and lobby I had on my mock draft this last week. Of course, I had him going in the sixth round, which I was like, there's, there's almost no chance after he after he performs this week that he's going to end up here. But I was like, oh, he's available now. I'll throw him in there. He to your point, he had 117 catches the last two seasons combined. So. He's just a receiver out of the backfield, and they could really, really use that. So, um, returns punts too, I think. Yeah. yeah, guy does everything, which is cool. So, football player. Um, a few guys for me. I mean, Lad McConkey is just it seems like an obvious one. The guy just dominated um, and was kind of the talk of of the bowl. Um, some some under the radar guys. Tyler Guyton, of course, not under the radar, but another guy who's helped his draft stock. I feel like he's more of a right tackle than a left tackle. So I don't know if he's really a guy the Patriots should focus on if they re-sign Mike Onwenu. Um, but if they don't, he's a guy that they could target, you know, late in that first round, early second round uh, area. But three guys who are kind of under the radar guys at interesting positions. One interior defensive lineman, Christian Boyd from Northern Iowa, um, played well this week, I thought. Um, did a nice job in his one-on-ones. Bo Limmer who's an interior offensive lineman from Arkansas who was going up one-on-ones against sweat dude and was and was holding his own against you know giving up 50 60 pounds and so there was there was one rep he got put on his butt but uh, I thought it, I was I was with you I thought he held up pretty well yeah there was one who was it Brandon Thorne and Dane Brugler were talking about how much they love seeing him uh, going up against against sweat and so you know of course he's gonna you're not gonna win every every rep as you say right but um but I was happy about that. And then the other guy is uh, Dadrian Taylor Demerson uh, from the Shrine Bowl, Texas Tech guy, safety. Looks like he's going to fill that kind of hybrid safety role. I don't know if the Patriots are going to want another guy like that, but if they don't bring back Kyle Duggar, which they might not, they should, but they might not, um, you know, he could be a guy that could be an interesting pick for them. Again, these are under-the-radar guys. These are probably going to be day three guys. Maybe the end of day two, but probably day three guys. Um, but I thought that they helped their draft stock um, significantly at, at the two bowls. And and Thad mentions Luke McCaffrey, who, like, I mean, 
genes alone, dude, I'd be happy drafting that guy, you know, anywhere from the third round down or whatever, you know. Him and Brendan Rice would call it a day. You have right. one of them. Based yeah, on exactly. Time. See, there you go, genes. you know. And, and Marvin Harrison Jr. too. Yeah. We'll just, we'll take right, draft all three of them. One of them. When I think, yeah. When I think you look at, as a Patriots fan, you look at this and you're trying to remake the receiver room and, I don't know, you look at the draft and it's like, are we even going to spend in free agency? Will it be worth it? You feel like you could draft two Pro right. Bowl level receivers potentially out of this class. Uh, and that's maybe even if you don't use your number three overall pick on one, you could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And you hit on the right guy on day two or day three, plus what you've got in Pop Douglas. And you could turn this from one of the worst receiving cores in the league to top 10 unit in a two three year span here assuming everything goes right yeah um, yeah i think the big winner overall is depth at wide receiver depth at tackle i think yeah which is good news yeah. yes <laughs> it is now, yes very good news because it was was it javon foster is that the guy from yeah. mizzou he, was, he had yeah, that he one was. rep he had <laughs> it's just like two rhinos going at it or something <laughs> physical yeah. so he was like he was someone i wanted to watch because i think he went into the week projected maybe like fourth round pick in that range. I thought he had a good year for Missouri and you're right. He he had a really good week. One-on-ones, you know, Daniel Jeremiah kept talking about once he gets his hands on you, like it's over that rep is over. And he translated it to the team drills too. He caved in the left side of the line a few times and he is a left tackle, right? A lot of these guys we're talking about are right tackles. So I thought Javon Foster was an interesting one to watch if they you know, double dip at the position or maybe they just wait until later day two at the position. Again, we'll see what happens, but he definitely had a good week. And I want to I want to tie this back into the offensive coordinator thing real quick. And, you know, the future of this offense, you know, quarterback is kind of the, the biggest question mark here for New England over the next really decade. You know, that's the next thing you have to figure out. But I think you look at the the types of offensive linemen you find in the depth in this draft are guys who are like all right pass blockers, really good run blockers. They're tough. They're physical. And then I think you look at the college level and you know a Michigan team that just won the national championship did it by running the ball through your face. And their biggest weakness offensively was pass blocking at the tackle spots. And they were able to completely get around to that by, you know, controlling situations, controlling the clock, running the ball. But then you look at what Alex Van Pelt brings in and, now I think in the short term, the best solution here for New England might be to say, hey, we're going to focus on running the ball and having receivers that are talented enough to make plays happen in the passing game when we do have to pass uh, in those limited times. And we're going to fix the tackle issue by, you know, we're not going to get an elite pass blocker there, so we're not going to try it. We're going to get really good run blockers, and we're going to control the ball, control situations, and you know, we're going to make sure that we're not in third and longs very often. So the fact that our guys aren't elite pass blockers doesn't come up that much. And that's kind of how you play in the short term while you're figuring out your quarterback, while you're looking for a guy who can be your franchise left tackle. Um, mm. and I think that and that, you know, as we see defenses getting lighter across the board might be your your zig when everybody else is zagging approach to this whole thing. It's interesting. It's an interesting take on it. Um, I don't. I don't hate it. And again, it's it. It makes sense with based on where Alex Van Pelt came from, right, and where mm-hmm. he's coming from. And and as Brian said, you mentioned it, right. We don't know for sure if he's going to take all that stuff, right. He's never been the guy, right. So we don't know. But 
we just have to go on what we've seen. And, and it seems as though he favors those types of, um, those types of theories. So you mentioned quarterback, Matt, let's talk about it. <clears throat> I thought, man, the senior bowl quarterback play was just dreadful. I mean, dreadful. And it wasn't as bad throughout the week. I didn't think, but the game itself was just like almost unwatchable. I mean, the interception that Sam Hartman threw was like, what in the world are you looking at? Right. And then the interception right before him, who was the one that was it? It wasn't Milton that threw it right before him, was it? Yeah. They were back to back. It was Milton right in the end zone. And yeah. it was just like, what in the world are these people looking at? And um, it was bad. Those are, it was real bad. And those are two experienced quarterbacks, you know, right. veterans who are making yeah. mistakes like that. That's that's what this QB class looks like. Um, I did think it was interesting. I, I don't remember if it was Daniel Jeremiah or Lance Zerline who mentioned that apparently um, – the footballs they had this week for the senior bowl weren't very good. They were incredibly slippery, and that was an issue for the quarterbacks adjusting to that. So I don't know how much that plays into it, but mm. Bo Nix did not look very accurate. Michael Penix, I thought, actually looked pretty good, but didn't play in the game. And Spencer Rattler may be the only guy in there whose stock really rose, but that's, you know, we're talking from a sixth-round pick to a fourth-round pick kind of thing there on day three. Uh, right. Underwhelming, I thought. Brian, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I thought the word of the week, like the week of practices, was just fine, right? Like it wasn't anything to write home about, but like Bo Nix struggled the first two days and which was kind of concerning because they were working more of that short game, right? And that's where he kind of thrives. But I thought he got a little more comfortable as the week went on, let a touchdown drive in the game. Uh, Penix just didn't really do much, honestly. I, I don't know if that was part of, like he said, I'll come, but I'm not going to you know, do too much. I'm going to talk to teams and just not practice much. He obviously didn't play. But, yeah, I thought Rattler was, I guess, the winner of, of the group. But, you know, as Matt said, it was like that's going to bring him from a sixth to a fourth-round pick. But I thought what you yeah. wanted to see with him was his kind of decision-making. He had a really bad pick the first day, but other than that, it, it was a pretty clean, clean week, had a couple of nice throws and uh, – Perfect in the game. He won MVP. He only played like two drives, but that's all it took out, out of that quarterback yeah. position on, on Saturday. But uh, he, he is, he looks, we were talking about it. He, he looks short out there too. He's like six one, mm -hmm. six feet. I don't know why that never, he looks so short at South Carolina, but also just something to watch there. With, with sure. Listen, that's a good point. And I, you know, I, I do wonder because I was kind of all in on, not all in, but I, I was kind of thinking like, hey, what if we, you know, drafted Marvin Harrison Jr. or trade back for, you know, a tackle, and then we address quarterback later on in the draft, right? And I was thinking Quinn Ewers was the guy that I had in mind. <clears throat> a work in progress, needs work, isn't ready yet. He went back to school, which I find so interesting because and that's a whole nother, this is a whole nother discussion, but like <laughs> he went back to school and Arch Manning is just sitting there. Like he's going to battle out with Arch Manning. What does that say about Arch Manning? But Nevertheless, um, but Rattler's a guy that, like, if you draft, you know, let's just say you trade back to, you know, seven or eight or whatever, and, you know, you draft Joe Walt or Fashanu, right, at eight, you get your left tackle of the future. Then in the second round, maybe you have two second-round picks now, you draft a wide receiver and a corner, let's say, and then in the third round you take – you know, whatever, who, whoever it is, right? Let's say you, you hit some of those big positions, right, that you need. So you're drafting a left tackle. You're drafting a wide receiver that you think could be a stud day one. 
or at least a contributor day one, could you then draft a guy like Spencer Rattler in the fourth round, knowing that, you know, to do this, I think you have to sign a guy like Jacoby Brissett. You have to sign someone that can come in and start in the interim, a bridge quarterback, but a guy that can be, you know, a, a mentor in the room. And I think Brissett is the perfect guy for that. He's a free agent this year. He's worked with Van Pelt in the past. He's been on the Patriots before. I think everything lines up to me perfectly for a guy like Jacoby Brissett. And I wouldn't hate the idea of taking a guy like Spencer Rattler in the fourth round and just seeing what you get, you know, and he might suck in the NFL, but he has elite level traits. And so I, I don't mind taking a chance on that. And then in the meantime, you're getting an elite left tackle and a really good wide receiver. And you're getting a guy that has elite level traits, a quarterback that might turn into something and might not, but he could turn into something. And I think that that, that's kind of, I don't have a problem with that. Now, the issue is if he, if you don't hit on him, quarterback next year looks a little dicey. But then again, quarterback, you know, who knows, right? It doesn't, you never know what's going to happen this year. Maybe Quinn Ewers takes a big step forward. Maybe Shador Sanders, Sanders becomes that guy that's going to go top five and everyone's, you know, super high on him. So I just, I think that, you know, I wouldn't hate that. I'm curious about your, I'm a little long-winded there, but I'm curious about your thoughts on that, Brian. I mean, I'm only trading out of three. If I'm not sold on like one of these or all three of these, whatever quarterback is there at three, like if I'm sold on that guy, I'm probably picking my quarterback and taking that. But if they're not, if they're not confident in one of those guys, I, I'm definitely intrigued by moving down and adding draft capital because I think that's kind of an underrated thing this year. Is they only what do they have seven picks? They're not getting any comp picks, right? Like they don't no. have a lot of ammunition. So if you can get another top 50 pick maybe even if you can get a first next year i think that would be a a really good route to go and then yeah maybe you know get a quarterback day three i'm I'm not interested in like a bridge guy on day two probably i think that might just be a waste with these tackles and wide receivers that are there but i agree yeah if you could sign jacoby Brissett and then maybe a spencer rattler or michael pratt are there at round five I, i don't think that would be a bad way to kind of construct your room for a year and build up the rest of your roster elsewhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm only going quarterback like after maybe round five, but I just, I really don't like the depth at the quarterback in this draft. Like I don't, I'm just, I'm not interested in guys who've been in college for four or five, six years who still have this many question marks about who they are. I think that's um, really low risk, sorry, low reward propositions. Um, and you know, at least in the first four rounds, I think there's so many good skill talent guys, there's offensive players there. I think it's just hard to like. I I wouldn't pass up on Dylan Lobby to take Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Um, right. I'm just not. I'm just not going to do it. So I think if you if the quarterback you like is there at three, you take him. Otherwise, I think you probably just focus on building up the offense and figure things out. And I think you know you should go into the draft having a quarterback you feel can start next year for you. If that's right. Jacoby Brissett, if that's you know Baker Mayfield, if that's an option here, or insert any veteran of your choice into that sentence, um, because there's no guarantee they come away with a quarterback from the draft, and even if they do, there's no guarantee he is ready to start right away. Uh, and then even with that, you want to have a quality backup. I don't think we're counting on Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi to be even a backup quality guy next year from what we've seen in the NFL. So uh, I think in an ideal world, you want to sign one, draft one. But quarterback, just the drafting one is hard with, I think, how weak 
this particular class. I know people love this quarterback class, but outside of, you know, I mean, every, everybody has huge red flags in this draft. I feel like compared to other guys, Caleb Williams for a, a guy who's going to go number one overall, it seems has some big red flags with turnover concerns. Drake may is still very good, but very much a project. Jaden Daniels is a five-year starter coming out who didn't break out until his fifth year. JJ McCarthy is, you know, a blank canvas that you can project anything you want onto. And then Bo Nix and Michael Penix, um, who, you know, maybe in the second, but uh, Lance Zerline has the Patriots trading up to pick 30 from pick 34 to take Bo Nix after passing on Drake May at three for Marvin Harrison Jr., which I thought was interesting. He seems convinced that uh, Drake May is going to slide from what he's been talking about. He's usually pretty plugged in, so I'm going to be monitoring that. Yeah. That's a really good question here from Old Man Mob. Could the Pats double dip on QBs? Now, I I don't know the last time this happened. I think the last time this happened was Washington uh, when they did it with – Russ, uh, RG3, and then they did it again with Kirk Cousins. And obviously, both of those hit. Now, of course, RG3 ruins his knee and his career's over. And But, you know, I mean, you look at what Kirk Cousins has done in the league, and he's not he's not a superstar necessarily, but he's a top 12 to 15 quarterback, I think, definitively in the NFL, and a guy that I think you can win with maybe. Um, I just don't know how likely that is. Listen, Cousins is a guy that played four years at, at you know, Michigan State and put up okay numbers, but didn't really wow anyone. He put, he had his his best year was his last year, right? But like, didn't really light the world on fire. Uh, it is four years there, so the difference is that these guys aren't playing four years anymore. They're playing like five years, right? And so that to me is is kind of a big difference. But still, I, I think that I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. Well, I think. It's tough with Kirk Cousins, too, because he took like six or seven years in the NFL before he got to be, you know, True. the guy who he is now. That was, And I don't I don't think there's a guy as, as good a prospect as Cousins that'll be there on day four or as good a prospect as, as RG3 was, who may be there at, you know, two, let alone at three. So uh, I don't know, Brian, I'll, I'll let you go here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think you can rule anything out at this point, but I would. Kind of again, going back to first of all, the depth isn't great, right? As we just talked about, like who are you picking on day three to double dip? And also, again, they only have seven picks, so like you have so many needs to kind of fill. Can you use two picks on on one spot there? Unless you trade back a bunch and you have a bunch of these late rounders, I, I just don't know. So maybe if you want to take a shot at like Joe Milton and his bazooka arm on, you know, with the last pick in the seventh round or, and just yeah. see what happens there. But I, I, I don't, I just don't see the scenario there. It's just a tough yeah. spot to be in. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I agree with you, Brian, about trading back too. I think that's probably wise. Uh, even if they don't trade back from three, I think trading back from 34 definitely has uh, some value. And then I think you, in some ways, you know, if you could trade back from 34, pick up an extra pick in next year's draft, and then, you know, go package your your third round pick with your sixth round pick and move up a little bit. From what I've heard, these sixth and sevenths may not be that good this year. You know, there's not a lot of depth in this draft. So I think if you can find ways to move up the board from the back to the middle this year and also move from the front this year back a little bit and pick up extra capital next year. Um I like the idea. That said, I do have a hard time trading back. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the board for you at three. 
I think that's he's a tough guy to pass on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the hardest thing for me is that you, you're sitting there at three and asking yourself, who do you really believe in, right? If the Bears are keeping Justin Fields and they move back with Washington, right? Of course, Cliff Kingsbury gets hired by Washington. All the speculation, you know, immediately jumps on. They're going to try to move up and get Caleb Williams. If they do that and the Bears keep Justin Fields and take Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two, now you're sitting there asking the question, do you believe that Drake May or Jaden Daniels are the are future superstar? Right? Are they the franchise quarterback you're looking for? And if they're not, then I think you have to trade back. Right? I just I just don't see the value in taking a starting left tackle at three. And I, I understand it's happened before, right? Chris uh, Jake Long went number one overall. Eric Fisher went number one overall, right? To, you know, all these years ago. But, but it's like when there's the amount of talent that there is on the board right now at the skill positions. You're talking about three quarterbacks that some people will view as superstars. You're talking about a generational wide receiver. You're talking about a, a perhaps generational tight end, right? And so there are people that will value those guys. To me, it's like you move back and you take one of those two tackles. And maybe Alt is everyone's favorite, but like Fashano is pretty damn good too. So like if you draft one of those guys, if you move back to seven or eight, one of those guys is going to be available, right? And so – you pick up a first round pick next year, maybe pick up a second or third round pick this year, and you know you give yourself more ammunition, more throws at the dartboard. But like you said, Brian, and, and you pointed this out, Brian and Matt, you said the same thing. Like, if you believe in a guy, don't overthink it. Just friggin' draft him. Just do it. it. I don't care about the draft picks. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference. The draft picks are irrelevant. If you believe that that guy is there, you take him at three, and that's just that's the way it has to be. Yeah, that that's what it comes down to. And I, if if May's there, I would definitely run that card up. Um, yep. Jaden Daniels, uh, I'm still not like a hundred. Like I'm not sprinting that card up like I am with Drake May right now. But I'm still probably taking him. But the option of trading down has really been growing on me. And again, we're here February fifth, right? So so much is going to change over the next two and a half yeah. months. But yeah, if if it goes Caleb Williams and it goes Drake May and you have a team like, you know, Antonio Pierce is sitting back there and he's might give you what three first rounders to move from 13 to three. And then we just talked about all the depth of these tackles and these wide receivers. And you could even then move back up from 13 and, and get maybe a Joe Alt or an Olu Fashanu or Malik neighbors or Roma Dunze. There's so many good, good guys. So, if it's if again, keep saying if you believe in the quarterback, take him, turn that card in. But it's pretty enticing to get some some future first and some extra capital if that's not your move with the depth that all these other positions of need. Yeah, that's uh, a, a great call. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think the other thing here is going to be you know looking at what the trade market actually looks like. It takes two to tango. Um, and I think the Patriots might find themselves in kind of the unlucky position of being. Uh, if they don't like any of the quarterbacks there at three, there's a couple teams there that aren't picking quarterbacks. And the issue they may have is, you know, why is why are the Raiders going to trade up all the way to three for a quarterback if they think they can wait until pick five, make the trade there and do it just a little bit cheaper than they were doing it. So, um, 
Right. You know, that's that's what I worry about for New England. Uh, again, yeah. the, the prize here, if the trade back doesn't work out, is Marvin Harrison Jr., which is, a, I think, a very, very nice, that's, that's a great. soft landing if you don't get a quarterback and you can't trade back. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, you know, the other teams that are in front of the Raiders, right? There are other teams that will move up. And so if you're the Patriots and you're actually looking to move out of three, there are going to be teams that want to get up there, right? Whether it's Atlanta, whether it's, you know, um, who's at six? Um, God, six the Giants. Giants. The Giants. I don't maybe. think they are. Probably They're stuck not. on Daniel Jones. Right. But, you know, so you get in that situation where you look at it and say, someone's going to move up for a quarterback if that's the case. Um, well, I think – I think the interesting team here is Minnesota too. They reportedly were going all in for Anthony Richardson last yep. year. And, sure. you know, let's say Kirk Cousins walks out that door and he's somewhere else. I could see the Vikings being very aggressive to move up and take a quarterback, you know, which is interesting. And that puts you back at 11, which I think is a little bit tough because you may not get, uh, you know, any of the top three receivers, any of the top two tackles or Brock Bowers at that spot, you're still going to get somebody you like. Um, but, you know, you can trade back and trade back up. If well, right. Yeah. Look what, or... look what, you know, Miami did when they made the Trey Lance pick and Brian, you just mentioned it, right? You, you move back, you pick up three first round picks to do it, or I guess two extra first round picks to do it. And then you use one of your first round picks to move up back to six and take, you know, they took Jalen Waddle, but like, you move back up to wherever it is you want to go and, and, and take a guy there. So, you know, there there are endless possibilities for the Patriots. I do think, you know, if you believe in the quarterback, you take the quarterback. But then, you know, if you don't or if you feel like there's value somewhere else and you want to do – I mean, shoot, you mentioned Kirk Cousins could be somewhere else. Maybe Kirk Cousins is here. Right now, I don't know if he'd want to sign here, but maybe you sign Kirk Cousins here. And you say, all right, we're going to go out and we're going to get Kirk Cousins and we're going to sign – you know, Calvin Ridley, maybe, and we're going to, you know, whatever the case may be, and bring back Kendrick Bourne, and, you know, and then we're going to move back in the draft, and when we move back, we're going to draft for Sonny World. And so now we have our, you know, cornerstone left tackle. We have a quarterback that we feel like can be successful in this offense, and then we draft a wide receiver in the second round. And so, you know, again, there's so many possibilities with the immense amount of cap space they have with the draft capital that they have. And again, Brian, you mentioned like they're not getting any comp picks, which is tough, but they have a high first round pick, a high second round pick. And that high second round pick because of the rotation, because the three teams tied record wise, the rotation is that the Patriots are in the middle first. And then they get that first pick of the three team rotation. So they're going to be the second pick of the second round. That's a valuable pick to, to move. Um, and so, you know, that was the pick that, um, that Will Levis was taken at last year that Tennessee moved up to take him. So that's a valuable pick, um, that the Patriots could move back from and pick up some extra draft capital. So, and stay at three and draft the guy they want. So, you know, it's, there's so many possibilities, but I think the big thing for me is like, just, and it's, it sounds easy. It's, uh, you know, you make it sound easy, right? But it's like. Just draft the right guy. It doesn't matter where you take him. Who cares where you take him? You just you have to be confident in your evaluation to draft the correct guy. You cannot miss in this draft. It's way too important for this team. Yep. Yeah, they don't have a lot of picks, but they have valuable picks, right? So right. it'll be interesting. And just on that trade, wasn't it Arizona last year? Didn't they go three to twelve and then 
they moved yep. 12 to six and they got Paris Johnson. They exactly. Got the yep. Presidents there. And that was a team moving up, not even for a quarterback Texans moved up for Will Anderson. So you could probably get even more than what they got. If there's a bidding war for Jaden Daniels between, you know, Minnesota, Denver and Antonio Pearson, the Raiders. So right. you, could, yeah. you could definitely get a haul there. Good point. And I, good point. And I, I think, I also think the wild card here is, you know, if Lance Zerline is correct and the NFL just isn't that high on Drake May, Jaden Daniels goes too. And, you know, what happens if, you know, we all like Drake May on film, but there's thing other things there that make him drop, um, you know, how that situation could unfold. We, we got a lot of time between now and the draft for things to change. These boards are going to be moving over the next yep. almost three months here. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Well, I mean, remember Geno Smith? Geno Smith was like a guaranteed top 10 pick who fell out of the first round, right? And so, you know, I mean, obviously it it turned Malik out that Willis. he wasn't very good right away. But Malik Willis, same thing. Malik Willis was Joel getting tired. I mean, our buddy Thor Nystrom was saying he you, should go top five. You just said Levis, kind of same thing, right? Yeah. There was yeah. talk about he would go, what, four last year to Indy? Yeah. And then he slips all the way there into the 30s. So. Right, right. Yep. So, which, And I think that's... See. And I think that's, you know, we'll see what Jaden Daniels looks like. But I think, I think if we're talking about quarterbacks who can slide, I think anybody except for probably Caleb Williams, because it seems to lock the number one spot. Yeah. Any of these guys are candidates to, to slide because we're, we're in the part of the draft process right now where everybody looks, everybody looks good. The next couple right. of months, usually it's everybody's doing things, you know, it's a pro day with your own receivers on your own field or you're at the, the combine in, in shorts running or, you know, you're, you got, nice fancy interviews and you got guys hyping you up and for the most part they're not going to be talking you down so everybody's going to get talked up for the next three months unless yep. publicly unless that you bomb mean... your s2 yeah. cognition tests or whatever yes, or, yes. Or, or you or you don't bomb it and they release the wrong score yeah, that they, can they, also yeah. incorrectly <laughs> yeah um but Old for the most mom. part, it's yeah. yeah, it's gonna be favorable and that doesn't because it's that way publicly that doesn't mean that's how teams actually yeah. are seeing it and yeah. that's exactly uh old man mob just just comment that i threw it up on the screen but ima- imagine mhj marvin harrison jr and drake may drake may drops into the 20s and the patriots move up i mean you know so wild of course i mean who knows right but uh but yeah that would be that'd be wild uh yeah. is a good way to put but, it so yeah but i saw i also saw a comment back there somebody mentioned cam ward as a day three guy he actually went back to school uh so he's going back for another year. And he was a guy a lot of people liked. Cam so. Ward went back to school? Weren't we talking about Cam Ward being at one of the bowl games playing well? Cam Hart. I have this wrong. Cam oh, Hart. Cam yeah, the corner. Yeah. I got it. Now I got confused. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's draft season. It's coach season. There's so many names just flying yeah, yeah. around these days. Right. You said that, Pat, and I was just like, did I completely mess this up? <laughs> I'm like, didn't we just talk about him hitting people and stuff? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I also I think it's notable that in here we basically haven't mentioned any Shrine Bowl guys, and I think that says something about you know the lack of depth in this draft. There wasn't yeah. much notable. No quarterbacks coming out of there or anything to write home about. No. Maybe a couple of receivers, maybe a couple tackles. Um, probably not. Like yeah. it's it's the depth is the depth falls off pretty quickly once you get to that point. And you know, I don't know if there's going to be a, a Pop Douglas sitting there if you want a, a receiver who would be like that you got to go you got to go get him probably the second third round this year you're not gonna may not find that guy in the sixth yeah no that's cool that's you know and that's and so we'll see we'll see where it goes i thought the shrine bowl you know 
was okay, but it was it was certainly took took a backseat to the Senior Bowl this year. Uh, did not have the talent that last year had. Remember, you know, Zay Flowers at the, the Shrine Bowl last year, so um, didn't seem like there was there was quite as much talent there this year. I think a lot of guys will get drafted, just not high, you know. So yeah, um, so we'll see. There's there's Ta- Taj Washington. Is that his name from USC? From USC. Yep. People like was I think Malik Washington was there too. Um, who he there's has a really cool. interesting. They had good weeks, but they're just kind of in that the Mario Douglas mold, like shorter, yeah, yeah. quick slot right. guys. So I don't know how that's gonna, you know, work as a maybe a fit for the Patriots there. But right, yeah, little, you've got to think the Patriots are going with a bigger guy. You know, even like I love Jacob Cowing, but like yeah. he's a guy that Patriots probably aren't gonna be interested in him. He's too little, right? He's he yeah. he's too he's bigger than than Pop, but he's not that much bigger than Pop. And so, you know, you, you kind of go, go from there. So, yeah. And there's, um, uh, there's a receiver for Oregon State, Anthony Gold, who had a, a punt return for a touchdown in the game, which is probably the highlight of the whole the whole game. But he is, you know, 5'8", 170. He's right. a, a small slot guy. And, uh, you know, if he ends up in New England, he's going to be backup slot receiver, backup punt returner at best. That's yeah. where he's going to be starting out. Yep. That's the way it goes. So, uh, Brian, any other guys you want to mention? Any other guys you're like, oh, uh, we got to talk about this guy before uh, before we go? Well, I'd be upset at myself if I didn't talk about Ricky Pearsall, Florida wide receiver. He's long been one of my favorites. He is just – I don't – like the best way to describe him is just a baller, right? Like we talk about like, good football players. Yeah. Like he's just a good football player every time you watch him. He's you know quick. He's a really good route runner. He has – unbelievable hands and catch radius i don't know if you guys saw his one-handed catch highlight earlier this year i think it was against charlotte maybe he just absolutely stabbed it out of midair he, he's awesome he had a really good week and uh, he's one of those you know we talk about these smaller guys he's only six feet six one but he kind of plays a little bit bigger like if yeah. you had to put him at the x and move him around from the x to the z at times i think he could handle that because he's kind of one of you know, he's a physical guy too, so he right. he, he was awesome. And uh, he was, I think there's another connect. He was at Arizona State back in 2019. Yeah, with Jaden Daniels and behind Brandon Ayuk in that receiving course. You know, if you're if you're drafting Jaden Daniels, looking for a receiver to pair with him, well, there might be some chemistry there. Yep. Um, tackles Javon Foster. We talked about how to go week. Another like couple later round guys travis glover georgia state he was like a late ad and he had a game just kind of some nastiness to him christian jones from texas he was playing right tackle right guard i think he went over to left tackle so another one of those uh late round guys there there are just ton of good tackles in this draft which is encouraging tackles wide receivers so uh that's some that's some good news for the Pats. So he, he had a good week. Um, the one tackle I'd say went kind of down was Jordan Morgan from Arizona. Uh, uh, he just, it, it wasn't solid. There was one team drill, I think on day two, where he was just in Sam Hartman's lap, like three straight plays in yeah. 11 on 11. So uh, that was someone I watched and, and kind of moved him down the board. Uh, but the rest of the tackles had, had a pretty good week. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I feel like last year it was, the depth at tackle was really bad. Um, and this year is the exact opposite. There's a ton of depth at tackles. Um, and some guys that I think 
you know, we're going to get drafted in, in, you know, late day two or day three, they're going to be starting this year. Um, you know, and so I think that's a, that's a great thing for the Patriots. Um, you know, if they, if they're unable to address tackle at the beginning of the draft, that they can get a developmental guy that can step in and maybe he's not the starter, but if a guy gets hurt, um, you know, he might be able to step in. So, you know, I mean, that happened to, it happened to Matt Light's rookie year. Matt Light wasn't starting left tackle. Right tackle gets hurt. He steps in and starts at right tackle. Have, same exact thing happened to Nate Solder, where Solder steps in and starts at right tackle his rookie year, and they go to the Super Bowl in both of those years. Uh, so they're not going to the Super Bowl this year, but that but that could happen again. So, um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I think that that's, you know, that's an interesting, kind of interesting look at it for me. Uh, that That depth is just is overwhelming, I think, like you say. And that's I think that's a great thing for the Patriots who are needy at tackle. I've also been, you know, with the Van Pelt hire, I know we just said there's so much depth in the draft. And free agency is kind of weak, right, at the tackle spot. Onwenu and Trent Brown are kind of the top two there. You know, there's Jonah Williams, Tyron Smith, if you get down. But, you know, Van Pelt was just in Cleveland, and they drafted – Dewan Jones last year at right tackle. And they yep. also have Jack Conklin at right tackle. And I'm blanking on their left tackle's name, but they have a good left tackle. So they have both of Conklin and Dewan Jones at right tackle. And I thought I saw they were wanted to go to Dewan Jones, who's, you know, had a good rookie year, younger player. Maybe like a Jack Conklin shakes free. He's got, I think 28, 29. He's got three years left on his, his contract. So, Maybe there's some familiarity there with Van Pelt and they want to go that route and they get a veteran in. You can move on Wenu back in the guard and then you're only looking at one tackle spot in, in the drafts. So that was just another name, you know, if you want to go a different route there. On the left tackle there, uh, the guy who was, I think, the backup but played most of the year, who was also like a sweet agent, too, I believe, right? Garen Christian. I don't know if I'm saying the first name correctly. Um, but yeah, I think he's he was at least decent and there's familiarity and yeah. you know, Wheatley who's already in the building uh, very much an unknown, but also has familiarity there. Yeah, of course. And then Jedrick Wills was the, was the left tackle That's that was awesome. hurt for the year, but, but yes, yeah. he's their starting left tackle. So I, it's, it's fascinating. And there are guys that, you know, there are guys that, that could come in, you know, and, and I'm not on board with the Trent Brown resigning. I feel like Trent Brown should go. Um, I hope they resign Mike on one. But again, and to your point, Brian, he may not want to play right tackle, right? We don't know. And he's never said, right? He doesn't feel comfortable saying it. He never said anything. He never spoke out against it. He just kind of said, hey, yeah, I just go wherever they tell me to go. And I'll, you know, I'll whatever is best for the team and so on and so forth. It didn't sound like he was super excited to play left tackle. Now, maybe he didn't want to shit on them for not putting him at right tackle, right? And leaving him at right guard. I don't know. But, you know, if it's a situation where he wants to stay at guard and the Patriots like City so and they don't want to overpay for Onwenu, I guess I could see them letting him go. I just, he's so good that, like, I'll take the extra depth, especially where you've had problems with Cole Strange staying healthy. Um, You know, I'd rather keep all of those guys in the building than let Mike Onwenu walk, even if he wants to play guard, and we got to put it in there. Yeah, I I just want to keep good players in the building, right? And they made this mistake with Joe Tooney, like, a few years ago, and... We probably should have criticized them more at, at that time, but 
yeah, I, I want to, you have the money, right? He said he's wanted to be here. Just try to get that done. I still think he's best long-term at guard. Uh, yeah. If they want to keep him at tackle, you know, fine. I think he can do it even in this offense. But it, Pat, as you said, like Cole Strange doesn't stay healthy much. We don't know his even his injury timeline right now, right? Like he's hurt. Right. I believe he had surgery. So you have yeah. City So. You hope you know, he had a promising rookie year. You have Michael Winu and you have Cole Strange whenever he's healthy. Having three guards is like it's not a bad issue to have, especially when you have Unwinu who can have that versatility. Yeah, and that's agreed. Uh, and we've been we've been talking about building out the offensive line for so long now. It seems like we've forgotten you have to build out the depth as yeah. well. Like yeah. it's Unwinu is just valuable uh, because you know, for all for all the reasons you said, and then I think there's also the future at center. We haven't we haven't gotten a retirement announcement from david andrews so i'm gonna assume he's back at this point we Seems haven't like had have, have we had one for matthew slater not yet yeah. yeah which is interesting yeah i sounded like he was done but maybe he isn't i don't know yeah i would assume we're gonna get one from him maybe they're just waiting until after the super bowl but um yeah and i know like center will be something to watch going forward i thought jake andrews in very very limited reps looked good when he played the last week of the season um better than what Antonio Mafi gave you at least so true I mean it was can, a guard obviously different position yes. but still yeah and I think if you can go into next year with at least a couple bodies on the interior that are healthy and you feel good about that's a step in the right direction and um you know you figure out tackle when you figure out tackle it's this is going to be a multi-year thing for New England anyway there's going to be swings and misses in here um it's if you fix everything for next season, that is an absolute miracle of miracles. You know, you're probably if you come away, if you go into next season needing a tackle and a quarterback, I think you probably still feel good about what happened relative. Yeah. I mean, you hit on literally everything. And, and it's it's similar to what the from the 2000 Patriots to the 01 Patriots, of course, the 01 page, the 2000 Patriots at least had a quarterback. But like, you know, Bledsoe goes out, Brady comes in and then it's like, you know. You hit on on Matt Light, and you hit on all the free agency bring in, right? David Patton, and you know Troy Mike Brown was Vrabel. the best year of his career, and Mike Vrabel, and Anthony Pleasant, and Bobby Hamilton, and you know, and you go down the list, and it's like the odds of that happening again are insane. And so, like you know, there's a chance, but it's extremely unlikely that you know this team is going to compete for you know the division crown or the playoffs or anything like that. But like, we just want to see the young guys improve. And, you know, be better than they were before. And, and then, you know, and then you go from there and you hope that, you know, in two years you can be fighting for a playoff spot, you know. So anyways, well, this has been a lot of fun, Matt, uh, Brian. Thank you so much for coming through, man. This has been great. We're going to have to do it again soon. Um, we do have I'm going to formally invite you right now. It's a busy night for everyone, but I am going to formally invite you. We have uh, we do a live stream during the draft. We're live the entire first round of the draft on Thursday night. Uh, and so you're welcome to come on there um, whenever you want for as long as you want. We're live and people just kind of come in and out as they please. Um, we go all night long. So uh, you're welcome during that show uh, if you have the time to come on. But we definitely have to do this again yeah. sometime. Absolutely. I mean, this this draft's going to be weird. We're going to be like done yeah within the first like half hour unless they they trade back up well but. that's the that's the crazy part is that we are going to be done but then it's like well they could trade back and then if they trade back now they're drafting a little bit later and then it's like if we're sitting there and we're looking at it and we're saying like oh my god they're at 34 but like there are a ton of guys on the board that they might like they could be moving back up into the 20s so 
there's going to be a lot of intrigue, even though you're right. They might be done at pick three, but it's like, well, you never know. We could be sitting on eggshells the whole time, like wondering if they're going to move back up, you know? And I think we can get to pick three and they trade back and we're going to get the, you wait and then you got to, but I do think, I know Pat and I talked about this. I think we're probably going to start the show a little bit earlier this year as a result. We're probably going to do some pre-draft stuff. So Brian, I'm sure you're going to be doing stuff during, you're going to have writing and stuff during the draft. If you can't make it then, you know, come by uh, beforehand and yeah, that's, the next three months here are going to fly by, but it's yes, every yeah. every day is also going to be painful because I'm going to log on to Twitter every day and see the same arguments. <laughs> you know what? You know what it is, and it's and they talk about this with kids, and it's it's similar, and so I'll use it because I think it makes sense that the days are long, but the years are short, right? And we'll use months. The days are long, but the months are short, right? By the be, before we know it, we'll be at draft time, but we'll be sitting there every day on Twitter like Jesus Christ, just get me the draft. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. So, but, but yeah, so Brian, thank you so much. Well, listen, before, listen, obviously Pat's pulpit, clearly, hello. Like if you're not reading Pat's pulpit, you're, you're offending me and Matt, if you're not reading Pat's pulpit, but Brian's killing it on Pat's pulpit. Um, and it's, I am Brian Hines on, uh, on Twitter or X or whatever the hell people call it now. Uh, anything else to plug? Anything else to plug Brian other than that? Uh, well, I mean, right here on CLNS, Barth and I, do Pat's be at least two times a week? We'll we'll be starting our mock drafts, yes. I'm sure, pretty soon. So that'll be fun. Uh, make sure you tune into that. But yeah, Pat's pulpit, Pat's pulpit, Pat's pulpit. That's, That's right. That's that right. Out. And he's part of the CLNS family as well. I mean, so it's a it's it's a true crossover yep. where we write for Pat's pulpit and we podcast for CLNS. It's fantastic. So um, so it's great. So, anyways, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Matt. Thank you to the chat. As always, uh, we love you guys, and we will talk to you on Thursday night. Um, whoa, wait, before we go, Brian, who do you got winning the Super Bowl? Forgot about that. Oh, yeah. oh. So I've had a long philosophy that I don't go against Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, but yep. I think I'm going to break that this year. I think okay. I'm leaning the 49ers right now, so I'll – I'll lock that in for you guys right now. I'm going with the San Francisco. On the record. You got this is a Brian Hines exclusive right here. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. That's good. Um, Yeah, I said before, I've said to Matt, and I've said it again, and I will continue to say it. I'm picking the Chiefs. I'm betting on the Chiefs. I'm putting all of my money and all of my apples (laughs) on the Chiefs. And here's why, right? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. But I desperately want the Chiefs to lose. If I put money on the Niners and they lose, I'm going to be friggin' pissed. I'm going to be pissed. If I put money in the Chiefs and they win, great. I win some money. Like, good. But if they lose, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, I'm going to be out some money, but so what? They're going to be happy they lost. So uh, so that's kind of my theory going into it is like I, I'm I'm betting against my rooting interest. Uh, we'll put it to you that way. So, so you'll be yeah. happy either way. That's okay. it. Exactly. <laughs> right? Either I'm happy that the Chiefs lost or I'm happy I made some money. He's he's hedging his financial bet against his emotional bet. Also, I'm, I'm the biggest mush on the face of the planet. So like, it's just it's bad. I'm like the dude from uh, from uh, a Bronx Tale. It's just like if you see me betting on someone, just go the other way. Fade my bets. Anyone that paid attention to my bets this year, I'm running the Patriots uh, conditioning test because my bets were so bad this year. So, um, you know, that's the way it goes. So. Anyways, well, thanks, Brian. Again, we appreciate it, and we'll, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday night uh, and give you like kind of a full preview of the Super Bowl.